Oh, God, I am desperate for you in my life. God, even the ones in this room right now who don't know they're desperate for you, they, God, awaken, prod, poke their heart. Because you are the only path to life, to fulfillment, to renewal, to peace. You are the Lord my God. You have brought me out of captivity, out of the house of slavery, to sin and to myself, to self, from self-absorption and God, from anger, from claiming my own rights and surrendering to you, which has brought me freedom. God, thank you for that. And so God, I will... Because, of I, because I recognize who I am without you and I recognize what you have done for me, God, I will have no other gods. I will acknowledge the gods in my life that have been there in the past and I will do everything I can to, to remove them. God, I will worship nothing other than you. Forgive me of when I have worshipped other gods, money and notoriety or a title or a position God forgive me I will have no other gods I will not make for myself an idol in any form rip away God please anything that is that is previously good, that has become a God, may I acknowledge that. And may I never take that which is godly and make it simply good. May I never use your name in any way that does not give you honor and reverence. May I never use your name insincerely. And so God, because I acknowledge that you are my Lord and that I will not have other gods before me, that I will not have idols in my life, God, I will not use your name in any form other than to give you praise, worship, honor, glory. If I have no better control of my mouth, my tongue than that, God, forgive me, for I have not recognized and surrendered the need to give you all of me. I am still claiming part of that for myself. And so, Lord, may I recognize that the tongue can spark a fire, that, that the tongue can control the entire ship, the path of my life. God, control even my tongue. God, may I use your name in a way of reverence. God, I will not take your name in vain. And God, I will remember your day that I need to make time for you. I need to make time for the family of God. For you have called us to live life together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Lord, I call out to you. And I declare that I will always give you the appropriate attention in my life. That you will take priority. That you will be above all else. that you will drive every decision that I make.
God, take all of my heart. Amen. The first four of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, are all about God and your relationship with Him. And if you don't get the first four, the last six don't really matter. They're not going to happen. And that's exactly what we've seen in our society as we have seen people who are committing murder, we see people who lie, we see people who steal and cheat and everything else, and we see it more and more frequently. And in fact, today, we even justify it and say, well, you don't know their story. You don't really know what's happened. But the reason we've done that is because we haven't surrendered our lives to God. If you don't get the first four, the next six don't matter. Have you surrendered your life to God? We look at the Old Testament and everybody says, well, no, the new law has come, the new commandment. And so because of that, we live in the love of God and in his grace, and we do live by grace. I celebrate the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen. But we also are to live by the law. We need to understand that we are to live by grace, but we are guided by the law. We live by grace. Everybody wants to be like, oh, but I have grace. I can kind of, we don't say it like this because we know it's not correct, but we kind of do what we want because, you know what, tonight I can say, God, forgive me, and I'm good to go. And it's because we don't understand that we are to have no other gods, that we are to have no other idols, that we are to make time for God, that we are never to use his name insincerely. We are to live by grace, but we are guided by the law, the word of God. And if we have no desire for guidance from our Father, we have little love for our Father. Like some of you in here right now, you're probably going, oh, this guy? Why do I even have to be here? Some of you are here because your wife said you need to be here. Some of you are here because your husband said you need to be here. Some of you are here just because you're maybe you have somebody in town and you're trying to get some brownie points, whatever it is. But the fact of the matter is you need to understand there is no life apart from Jesus Christ. Did I say good morning, by the way? Good morning, I'm Joel. It's good to have you here. We are to live by grace, but we are guided by the law. And if we have no desire, once again, for guidance from our Father, we have little love for our Father. And so we call out out of love for God, because if you love God, you desire to please God. Right, I tell my kids, they're over here in this service on my left, and I, I, I just say, like, guys, quit saying you love me if you don't want to ever listen to me. <laughs> I remember times in, as a father looking at my kids, and you know, I tell them obedience is the first time, not the second time. If you, if you only obey the second or third time, you didn't obey me to begin with. There's a lot of kids in this church who are grateful that that was not their father. And I, I, I talked to him, and I'm like, listen, do you, like, you don't want to listen to me. Do you actually think of it like this? Do you actually think 
that I want bad for you. I think, but do you think I'm giving you instruction because I want to harm you? I want to hurt you. I want to damage you. No, I'm giving you instruction because I love you and I adore you. And that's what God's doing in his word. He's going, why is it that you are so resistant to obeying the law of God, the word of God, living in his grace, his word? Why is it that you are so resistant? You actually think that the God of the universe is out to get you? And so because of my understanding of who I am without God and because of my understanding of who God is and what he has done for me, I commit to have no other gods in my life. I will not make for me a carved image or an idol. I will not tolerate it. I will not have any room in my life for it. I will honor his name. I will make time for God in my life. And that's just to get started. And you're going, wow, this is this whole Christianity thing. It's kind of intense. Well, it's because you're going to have eternal damnation without God. Yeah, that's kind of intense. The men's conference got me riled up. I've never been like this before. Amen. Somebody came to me, they're like, so you don't, you're not one of those pastors who like start out with a big long story, are you? I'm like, I'm not just going to jump into the word of God. Can we jump into the word of God? And so we jump into the six commandments that follow. Because I recognize who God is and because of my commitment to God. This is five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of the ten commandments. Because of now my commitment to God, one, two, three, and four, I will. I'm making a dis- I'm acknowledging the first four acknowledge that you are no longer your own. You have no other gods, you have no idols. You belong to him. God doesn't belong to you, by the way. Not in that, not, not in that capacity, not in that regard. You belong to God. Some of us treat God as though he belongs to us. Jenny in a bottle. Do what I want. Don't work that way. Some of us have been taught that in the way that we've been instructed in the church. Maybe not in those words, but it's kind of like, hey, rub it. If you rub it hard enough, he's going to bless you. It's called the prosperity gospel. God never promises riches on this earth. Never. Did you know that? Yes or no? Then why do we get so angry when God doesn't do more for us? It's because we haven't recognized the first four and said, you know, I'm not going to have any other gods. I'm not going to have any idols. I'm going to declare his name. I'm never going to use it insincerely. I'm going to spend time with God on the Sabbath and, and make sure that he has my attention. But because of our commitment to God, it says, I will. Here are some things that we automatically want to do. Like if you're in a healthy relationship with God, these aren't things that you have to do. These are things that you get to do. You get to honor your mother and father. Anybody wake up in the morning as a kid? How many of you have been 14, 15, 16? You wake up late on a Saturday morning knowing that your parents have already been yelling at you, we got to go, and you still haven't gotten out of bed. And then you just wake up and you're like, man, I'm so glad I get to wake up and honor my parents today. Anybody? Like this is one of those times you could actually be okay if you lied a little bit and raised your hand. Like, right? It's like, wait, what? 
But honoring your parents, honoring your father and your mother is something that we get to do if we go. And it doesn't mean when you say, when it says to honor, it gives us that instruction. Because of our commitment to God, we're going to honor our mother and our father. It's, it's not just for young children, even it's for everybody, right? And there's always a tension of what it means to honor your mother and father. It doesn't mean to even always do what they say in terms of as being an adult and going, hey, wait, especially if they're asking for you to do something or to be okay with something that's not of God. But you can still honor them in the way that you speak to them. You can honor them in the way that you have a conversation with them. Right? I still live with that today with my mom. I'm like, okay, so she lives in North Carolina. How do I honor her in this? I, I'm not going to be there with her. So how do I honor her as my mother? As I try to care for her, and my brother is there in North Carolina, but how do I do that? You're always going to have these decisions that you have to be able to make, but it's, it's something that we get to do to honor our parents. Giving honor is important because in that society, it was, and, and, and hopefully you know this, but that was an honor-shame culture. You pretty much, in, in your conduct, you're either bringing honor to yourself and your family and to your God, or you're bringing shame to them by whether or not you would obey the law of the Lord and the conduct that you had. So one of the ways that we show that we have honor, an honor society, is that we honor our mother and our father. Let me say this really quick. Um, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who has not had some type of parent wound in their life. Right? I wish my parents would have dot, dot, dot. Even if it's not that bad, you're like, you just wish they would have done something differently. And yet, every single one of us, if you're a parent, raise your hand. Every single one of us could have done it in a more godly way, yes or no? At some point, we have to recognize we live in a fallen world full of sin and we have to forgive. And I'm not trying to oversimplify, friends. I don't know what all of you have walked through, but we have to get over it. And we have to make a decision to move beyond it and to try to honor our parents because you know why? The creator of the universe asked us to. Because of our commitment to God, I will honor my father and my mother. Because of my commitment to God, I will not murder, number six. Not going to do it. I will not murder. I love these commandments, short and to the point. Not going to do it. And the word here on this murdering is taking, it's really defining what it is to take an innocent life. That's what it means. Right? Sometime, last week we celebrated Memorial Day as a nation and the people who died for this country and fighting for this country and the value of that and what it means. And as even we did that, it, it's not talking about taking lives of those who are not innocent, but it's talking about do not take an innocent life. Do not murder. I know it seems self-explanatory, 
But when you are willing to commit murder, what you're saying is you don't value life. And some of you right away are thinking about, and you know where I stand on this, I preached on it last fall. Yes, this includes innocent babies. That's why the issue of abortion is so hot amongst people in this society. It always will be. We're always going to live in strife with these topics because we, until Jesus Christ returns, because we live in a broken world. But we know that we should honor every life and we know that we should not commit murder. We don't want to talk about the consequence or the behaviors in our life. But also, hear me say this, that if you have done that, if you've gone through an abortion, God can still redeem and renew. God redeems anyone from anything at Anytime. But yes, do I believe you need to go before God and ask for forgiveness? I do. Because we are to respect the lives that he brought. That he has given to us to cherish. So we're not to murder. Because of my commitment to God, one, two, three, and four, I will honor my father and mother. I will not murder. Number seven says, because of my commitment to God, I will not, I shall not commit adultery. The forbidding of adultery was related to keeping family units intact. Guys, very bluntly, if we don't honor the family that God has given to us and the structure of family as God has ordained it, we will lose all morality and ethics in this nation. And I know that marriage, and I firmly believe this, marriage is a model for our relationship with God. It should be. Making adultery an assault on the foundation of marriage. Adultery. And I'm going to go even further with this, to lust and porn. It is an assault on marriage. It is an assault, assault on that very thing that God has given to us, marriage, which is to model our relationship with him. And some of you are going, well, you don't understand my life and you don't understand what my wife or my husband has done to me and I'm doing this or I'm doing this. And it's just about, listen, if you think adultery of any kind is okay, what you're doing is you're justifying sin. Very, very simply. Because you are allowing your self-pleasures to be of more value than being obedient to God. And the reason you don't want to please God is because you actually don't think that God has done anything for you. And you think you can have it for yourself. Self-pleasure rules your life rather than being obedient to a supreme, all-sufficient God. And so when you give yourself to any type of adultery, even looking at other people in a way that is not honoring, what you're doing is you're allowing, just, you might as well go ahead and put little grenades on the bottom of the foundation of your marriage. It's just going to start blowing it up. And so because of my commitment to God, I will not commit adultery. I will not, because of my commitment to God, number eight, I will not steal. I'm not going to take anything that doesn't belong to me. Why? Because I know that when I take from anybody or anything, 
It brings distrust, strife between the community. Right? In, in, in a world that was not, that, that if it's not fallen, we actually don't need locks. Only reason you would really need a door is to keep the weather out. When it says don't steal, I think, we, I think we take from people all the time. We just don't know it. Sometimes when you think about, hey, have you ever stolen? And, and somebody says, oh, yeah, when I was little, I took a pack of gum. Or I took a piece of gum. Remember those little pieces of gum that were like a penny? I don't remember them being a penny. I remember them being like a quarter because um, I'm so young. You know what I'm talking about, though? The big buckets you go to the gas station. Anybody take one of those out of that bucket before? Don't raise your hand. Even though some of you are like, oh, yeah, that was me. Um, I, I saw that. I saw that. Not going to say where, but right over there. Um, I saw both hands. Um, you know, those big buckets, and you grab one, and um, yeah. But I think we steal a lot more than that. I think we take a lot more than that from other people. I think sometimes we, we take their self-confidence. I think we take their sense of worth because we beat them down with our words. Isn't that stealing from someone? Isn't it, isn't it stealing from someone when you beat them down verbally? Stealing worth from them, and, and yes, their worth should be found in Christ, I get it, but if that's what they have, just barraging, coming down, raining down on their life, sometimes we steal those things as well, and I go, wow, what are we doing? Someone who's beating you down, friends, if you've had that verbal abuse or anything like that in your life and someone's removing that self-worth or value that you think you should have in life and they've been doing that for years and years and years, it is far, please hear me say this, it is primarily, primarily about their own sin, their own insecurity and their own arrogance and anything else. It's called cowards, it's called weakness. If you think that you have a right to beat people down verbally, I would love to have a conversation with you. We steal all kinds of things from people. And then we justify it. But you don't know what they did. Listen, my response to somebody else has to do with my relationship with God. That's it. That's what Jesus Christ said, right? Somebody hits you on one cheek, what do you do? Give them the other. Because your behavior towards someone else, whether it be stealing or whatever it is, is primarily about who you are and what's happening within you rather than it's in that other individual. And so because of my commitment to God, I will not steal. Because of my commitment to God, I will not bear false witness. Number nine. You're not going to exaggerate a truth or a non-truth about someone in order to get what you want. I tell people, if if two people are in an argument, there's usually five sides to that story. Right? And somewhere in the midst of all of it, you have part of the truth. But you're not going to bear false witness, which also, I mean, that even goes into, you're not going to manipulate a story in order to get what you want. You're not going 
to allow, you know, somebody, maybe you're at work and your employer says, hey, would you go do this? And, and then you get in trouble because you just did part of it because you didn't want to do all of it, but your excuse said, well, I just didn't have time or, oh, I misunderstood you. But you understood. You just didn't want to do it. And so now what that led to was now you're going to end up in the long run because a lot of times what happens with these breaking the Ten Commandments is one leads to another. And you have a domino effect and how you treat other people. And so now it's leading to manipulation and deception. Sometimes you even withhold information because you don't want to, be, I just don't want to be in the middle of it. You have information, you just don't want to be in the middle of something. You'd rather not have to be in the, in, in, in the midst of somebody else and they're looking at you and they're asking you questions. So you'd rather just say, oh, I, I just don't know enough because you don't want to have to be in that situation. So you withhold or it's just speaking a partial non-truth. Guys, there's, there's truth or there's lying. So because of your commitment to God, you're going to do nothing that would bear false witness. Whether it be in legal proceedings or anything else. Because of your commitment to God, you will not, number 10, covet. You're not going to covet. When you covet you forget to have appreciation for what you already have. That's what happens. I remember one time, um, Pastor Nathan, I was pumped. I bought a new car. Um, This was years and years ago. Uh, Red, Toyota Celica I don't think they make those why is that funny you can't see me this you can't it was red and it had it had special tires like wheels and like dude I was it had a sunroof it only leaked like every other day so like I was legit like I was like "Mm." gas was only like 79 cents a gallon (laughs) right you remember those days can we give praise to God for that I'm cruising, having a great time. And then my buddy, he came from a different family than I did. I worked for two and a half years to raise money to help buy that car. And uh, my buddy then shows up in a brand new Mustang 5.0 convertible. Like, it's a Tuesday. I'm like, oh, I'm the bomb. I'm going to get me a girl. Wednesday, I'm like, oh, I'm horrible. I'm not going to ever get a wife. I was young. Right? I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm coveting. I'm like, I got a sunroof. He's like, my whole roof comes off. I go zero to 60 in three minutes. I do it in four seconds. That's what coveting does, though, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you forget the joy and the ways that God has already blessed you. You forget all that God has done in your life. Some of us are so consumed by what we don't have that we have neglected to praise God for what we have already been given. And the Son of God. You hear me on this? 
That's why we always speak about, are you, right? I said it last week, are you a guy who declares as much as you ask of God? Are you spending more time declaring who God is and what he's done in your life? Or are you spending more time asking for him to do more and more and more? But yet, if you have been committed to God, that you will not have any other gods, that you will not have any other idols, then you are saying, I will not covet. Because I don't want to, you don't want to lose your sense of great, your sense of gratitude because then what happens is you become like who the Israelites who they constantly what grumbled and complained we're hungry boom manna from the sky oh it's bland really no seriously oh we're thirsty boom water from a oh but you know can we get like some flavoring in that carbonation please And we've all lost a sense of gratitude. Friends, if we were, as a church, as a community of believers, if we were simply mature enough to truly express the gratitude that we should have for Christ and what he has done in our life, friends, just that would overwhelm West Michigan. So we're not going to covet because when you covet, you know what it does is it squeezes God out of your heart. And it replaces God with your desires. Your heart belongs to something else. And I, I don't mean to sound, I don't know, cheap. But one day, we will recognize, every one of us, at some point, every one of us will recognize God is all we need. And so you don't have to covet because of your commitment to God. And if we're why don't we light the Ten Commandments? I just want to close it. Why don't we light the Ten Commandments? Right? We know that majority of people can't name more than four, five. And by the way, the majority of people know the ones like don't cheat still because we made those a societal thing in the past. Don't have adultery. The Ten Commandments are spiritual metrics for us. They're spiritual metrics. And so we are forced to recognize that we are living in sin. And according to where you are with God, you respond to that differently. When someone says, right, oh, can you hear this? Like, guys, I'll go and tell you, I preach the word of God. I'm going to preach it fully for the rest of my life. I will not stop. People are going to respond one of two ways. There's typically two types of responses. Either, oh, I don't like that guy. I get it a lot. I'm good with it. My wife digs me. That's all I need, right? And they go, I can't believe he would say this, blah, 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 blah. It's the word of God. They're just simply asking, but is it the word of God? So if he believes that the word of God leads to eternal life because of what Christ Jesus has done through grace and mercy, would you actually respect him if he did anything but that? Or they respond by going, 
which is a lot of you, yeah, I need more truth in my life because the world is full of lies and I need to recognize what those lies that sometimes are even dictating my life and are they're controlling me and I want to surrender more to him. Yes, bring it. That's chapel point, right? I think it's a pretty fair description. But we don't like it because that conviction comes in our life. But yet we know that conviction is a blessing because that's God speaking to us and saying, don't you understand? I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. And so I'm looking at you to say, man, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's show others how much we are consumed by God. One, two, three, four. You are the Lord, my God. I will have no other gods before you. I have no idols, Lord. I will give time to you. I will never use your name in a way that is insincere or disrespects you. Your response to one, two, three, and four will let the world know if you actually believe that God is worthy of your worship. This is the word of God. Praise be to him. Amen.